Hello again, folks. It's Roger from There Be Giants here with another episode of Giant Talk. It's great to have you all back with us. And today I'm delighted to have with me uh, someone who's a bit of a guru when it comes to KPIs. And KPIs is so, are something that we always get asked about. If I had a if I had a pound for every time I was asked what's the difference between OKRs and KPIs, I, th- I, I don't think I'd have to work again, if I'm completely honest. <laughs> Um, so allow me to introduce uh, Bernie Smith to you. Good, welcome to, to Giant Talk, Bernie. Thanks very much, Roger. It's really nice to be here. And I have to say, it made me smile because I get the same thing with OKRs. So I think this could be uh, <laughs> could be the, the dream podcast. Okay. All right. Fair enough. In that case, let's, uh, let's hope we dispel some myths and confirm uh, some beliefs around this then. So uh, it'd be great, actually, if we could start with just getting to, to know a bit about you. So if sure. you mind sharing a bit about what you've done and where you've come and so on and so forth, that'd be fantastic. Absolutely. So I've, I followed quite a curious path to, to the world of KPIs. I started life as a professional mechanical engineer many years ago, um, in sponsored by a large steam turbine company. Uh, did a master's degree in Sheffield University and then rapidly got into the world of manufacturing performance improvement. So I'm pretty old. uh, So this was before everything was branded as Lean Six Sigma. But I was doing what's now recognized as Lean Six Sigma with big, fast manufactured consumer goods organizations all around the world. So I worked a lot in paper making, polyethylene cracking, kidney dialysis machines, all kinds of things. Uh, So I traveled the world doing that. Met my wife, Liz, decided that that's not really compatible with family life. So I hopped the fence and applied that skill set to banking um, before it really became a thing. So I worked with a a niche consulting firm that really specialised in taking those tools and techniques um, sort of across across sectors. Um, So I've worked with every UK retail bank, quite a few global investment banks over the years. And I noticed this consistent theme in both sectors, which was a look of both confusion, stress and fear whenever the topic of KPIs and performance measurement came up in in discussion. I noticed these arguments breaking out. (laughs) People have very strong opinions that it was really hard to get clarity. And I looked at this and I thought, well, there's an opportunity here. If people are finding it difficult and confusing, it's a really vital part of any improvement process, measuring the right thing. So, you know, I'm pretty sure most of your listeners won't need convincing of that. So I looked at it and I thought, well, you know, if there's this confusion and frustration, there must be an opportunity to simplify it and come up with a principles led structured method for tackling this. So I'm an engineer by background. I like systems, processes, checklists, structure. So in 2011, I wrote my first book, KPI Checklists, which was intended to be a seven step method for mm-hmm. going from strategy through mm-hmm. to implemented KPIs. And, and that that did pretty well. Uh, slow start for a couple of years and then got some traction. Um, so I've written another 20 books um, in the interim. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're not all bedtime reading. Some of them are, are kind of quick guides for particular right. sectors. But um, yeah, I've sort of explored um, what makes you know how to how to choose kpis for smaller businesses because they have different needs and different uh, levels of um of resource and i've also during lockdown spent a lot of time thinking about target and incentive design because a lot of the fear a lot of the problems with kpis actually don't come from kpis themselves they come from badly thought through targets and incentives that are strapped onto those kpis once that's very interesting yeah that's 
Interesting. So the the arguments that you saw, you know, that that kind of made you think, oh, there's an opportunity here. Would they? mainly being driven by, as you say, the, the, the rewards and incentives that strapped into the KPIs? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because it took me a little while to figure that out. So I was I was working with one of the largest banks in the UK um, in their business banking division. And I was on site in Bradford, in fact, and I started talking about KPIs. And I noticed the guy opposite me, about the same age as me, you know, middle-aged, started shaking. Hmm. And, and I thought, hang on, there's something strange going on here. And I noticed a couple of the other um, relationship managers, as they call them, um, so they're effectively business bank managers, had a visible physical tick when the word KPI came up. Wow. So I thought, this is odd. And what I discovered was that they had conflated the term KPI and target, performance target, into the same term. So whenever you said KPI, they actually heard performance target, because that's how it was used in that organization. And this is something I've, you know, I've had to work quite hard with with people to separate. There's the measure. So you know, to use a personal analogy, there's what the bathroom scales say. And then there's whether that's good or bad. And that's, that's quite a different thing. You know, I'm six foot five. Um, and that oh, will tell you if I get if I get on the scales, and it's 90 kilos, I'm delighted. If I was five foot one and got on the scales, and it was 90 kilos, might be a different story. So for me, what you measure and the targets you attach are two quite different things. And if you mix the two together, you end up with a really emotional, clouded argument that makes it incredibly hard just to agree what we're going to measure. That's the first decision. Then the target we set, the incentives we attach to it, that's a completely different conversation. And that's that's where the waters get very muddied from experience. I've got to say, being six foot six foot five myself, if I was ever ninety k, that that must have been years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, it's years away from me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. That's 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 all. That's really interesting because um, I kind of get what you're saying here because we see something similar with OKRs um, because people. Um, it's more the association with the word objective, actually, that we have to often overcome because the association with that is for decades, you know, people have been set objectives that at the start of the year often driven, you know, that it's it's like HR pulling water up a hill trying to get the organisation to, have you set your objectives yet? Have you done all that? So they can take mm. them and say performance management is, has started for this this new year that we're in. And then it just gets forgotten about. And then at the end of the year, you know, when it's coming to pay review time, HR again are banging the drum saying, come on, get your reviews done, get your reviews done. And out of the drawer comes some dusty um, objectives and people are going, oh my God, you know, number one, they're not even relevant now. And number two, we've got to write something that kind of makes sense and is credible and could stand up in a, you know, in a hearing if, a, if anybody decides to take us to a tribunal. And it just makes so the association actually with the word objective is a really is a really negative one. And mm. trying to, it, we we work really hard to to very much weaken the link between uh, objectives and key results and and any sort of performance evaluation. We do agree that there is perhaps scope from a behavioural point of view in terms of how someone can engage 
how someone engages with their OKRs or the OKRs that they're contributing to. There's perhaps a behavioral element that could be evaluated there. But, you know, if you're trying to drive innovation, if you're trying to get people to take, you know, calculated risks, try things new, um, experiments so, and test test out, you're just not going to get get that if 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 you're immediately linking it to their pay. Anyway, I digress. But I can't. I guess what I'm saying is I empathise with this mm. association that you try to try to overcome. Absolutely. I mean, what's interesting, you just made a very interesting point there about linking it to pay. So during lockdown, I spent a lot of time looking at how targets and incentives go wrong um, and did some digging through the research. And there's some really interesting research that says that linking pay to rewards actually is counterproductive. So they did a study in Switzerland where they looked at charity volunteers, Mm. quite a large academic study. And they paid one group their expenses for volunteering. And the volunteering rate actually went down. And the reason they think behind this is that we have two types of motivation. We've got intrinsic and extrinsic. So intrinsic is, you know, going out and being a ref for your kids' football team or volunteering at a local charity store. Um, extrinsic is, is being rewarded for something. And it's absolutely ingrained in UK cultural and business culture, global business culture. This model of you offer someone an external reward, you will modify their behaviour in a positive way, and you will get the result that you want. But time and time again, you see that actually an awful lot of what happens in a business is driven by pride in work, by yeah. wanting to not let your colleagues down. Um, so this is this huge assumption about the way the world works, which. I found the more and more you look at it, the less and less true it seems. So, yeah, sorry, <laughs> branching off there, possibly slightly off topic. I think it is, it, it, you know, I know we're here to talk about um, KPIs and versus OKRs, although mm. it's not, it's a battle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think it is interesting that you're experiencing or have experienced some similar challenges when working with, with KPIs and mm. uh, you know, you, you t- you're talking about the two different types of motivation. It just always, whenever we're talking about intrinsic motivation, it, it always takes me back to Dan Pink's seminal work from about 10 years ago, where he talks about autonomy, mastery, and purpose being really important. Mm. And that's actually something which is, is, is at the core of our approach to OKRs because um, you're in, in certainly the way that we encourage our clients to, to uh, follow them. They, uh, we yes, all right. The, the 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 leadership have to set the the the, the top level OKRs because they're the ones that give direction. But what they we absolutely get them not to do is to then set them for everybody else. Um, so for some teams, that's quite a challenge because they have to kind of let go a little bit. But it's about empowering the next level. Uh, the, the next level down to go, okay, how can we solve these problems? How can we meet these challenges? And that's where the autonomy element starts mm. to come in. The mastery element starts to come in as they are working at it, learning new skills around it, becoming more outcome focused. And the purpose part comes into it in terms of what they're creating. They can see a direct li- alignment between what they will be working on and what they end up delivering. And they see it moving the needle on the bigger uh, you know, the longer term, really exciting, ambitious objectives for the whole organisation. So we've always tried to look at the the intrinsic side of things as well. I, I, I'm 
more and more convinced that it's what makes the world turn. You know, it's what obviously what makes things like Wikipedia tick over. But but what put me onto this was actually having kids and my kids completely rejecting sticker charts. Just absolutely <laughs> did not work. Um, and I, I I did some some kind of obviously ethically um, okay uh, experiments to see. Uh, what worked? The the only time I came close to it kind of backs up your theory there, which was when Oscar, my son, um, was really closely involved in choosing the reward for a sticker chart, and that got a glimmer of interest. But I realised that fundamentally both of them were driven by what interests them, what they found personally rewarding, and and you know, <laughs> sticker charts extrinsic didn't work. <laughs> so um, I've been on a voyage of discovery um, ever since. Uh, right. Well, I'm sure there are plenty of our listeners that would love to hear what works, what's worked well for you in that front, because I'm sure there's plenty. There could be an embarrassing silence at this point. I, I don't think uh, parenthood's necessarily the best model. So, in terms of in terms of KPIs, if I was um, uh, if I was someone who was new to the concept, um, and you were trying to convince me that it was a really good that you know my business really needs them what would you say is that is, is is the the main benefit the main value in having them so fundamentally good kpis are an unfair advantage you know it's it's like cheating at a game um and i've always been a bit puzzled why it's such a tough sell and i think what it comes down to is we have some cognitive biases so there's another piece of research i was reading about recently where if people play a game that is stacked in their favor they're convinced it's their skill that has helped them win the game not the fact that the game is actually biased towards them and i suffer from this as well i think it's just a human cognitive bias that if things go well we tend to assume it's down to skill rather than being given an advantage you know in terms of intelligence or or where to dig in the business um so kpis are a servant to to what we want to do so i say to people look you know if you want to fix the biggest problems in your business and you want to have absolute confidence that you're spending your very limited time on the thing that counts most you can't do that without measuring stuff, unless it's really obvious and the roof's on fire. Um, you know, big, complicated businesses have got lots of things going wrong in them. And the thing that you see everywhere, whatever level you're in in an organization, however big an improvement team you've got, is there's always an over demand for that resource. There's always too much to do, not enough budget. So it comes down to the question, how do we work on the most important thing with absolute confidence and you can't really do that without measurement in some shape or form because if you don't do that you'll suffer from kind of corporate add where you're constantly being distracted by this and that and this fire and that fire and it takes real nerves of steel to stay absolutely locked on the single biggest opportunity and land it and for me probably because of my improvement background, that's what KPIs are about. It's about helping you find the the hidden treasure, the buried gold bars, you know, whatever you want to call it, within your business and land it properly so that you get a substantial advantage and you can move on to the next thing. Uh, and for me, that's that's what it's all about. All right. Uh, I, I, yes, I completely agree. And kind of looking at this from a, a former um, 
seems feels like a former lifetime when i used to do a very operational role i was head of engineering for a very large it company and um that also included running a logistics facility as well and um there was so much data available so much uh real-time data available but mm-hmm. in the in the early days a lot of it was buried in the weeds and uh, you know, the operatives, uh, the warehouse operatives and the engineers couldn't see it, didn't have sight of it. And uh, raising the profile around those numbers actually really helped people kind of buy into it and get focused on it. Um, and again, they could see it's kind of going back to that um, uh, thing around purpose. You know, it, <laughs> there is there is a purpose behind what they're being asked to do and they can see the impact of it on on the numbers and you know if the numbers then mean something perhaps in terms of i know what we were saying before but in terms of reward and so on and so forth and that can that 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 had a it had a positive effect so i i i've also seen you know the value in in actually just having the numbers available and and clear and apparent um as opposed to just having them buried on a spreadsheet somewhere absolutely i mean I, I, th- I think the challenge we've we've all got and is becoming more acute is firstly systems generate vast amounts of data and secondly an awful lot of reporting and analysis is owned by technical functions within businesses so they seem to regard their job as presenting all the information as well as possible and it's leading to massive overload particularly for tired distracted middle-aged middle managers who are being pummeled from every direction by huge amounts of information in varying formats, you know, with varying styles and messages with or without commentary. Um, and I think people are just worn out by it. Uh, and I think that's probably the biggest challenge at the moment is how do you create a simple, quiet environment where people can focus on what actually makes a difference rather than, you know, a sort of web style environment where there's just this bottomless pit of information that you can dig into. Um, and ironically, that's harder to do than simply reporting everything, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. So let's talk about OKRs and KPIs and how mm-hmm. they exist together. So what's your take on that? How do they, uh, how do they, how do they coexist together? So, so people who've been through my training or read any of my books know that I love fitness analogies. It's not because I'm fit and healthy, but because it's something that people can get their heads around quite easily. So... Um, just taking a couple of steps back, I'm very big on aligning KPIs. So the method that I developed in 2011 is called the Results Orientated KPI System, ROCKS for short. And it's all about starting with the objectives of the organization at a top level, breaking them down into smaller outcomes, results if you like, and then working out what KPIs tell you whether you're achieving those results. And the example I use um, when I talk about this is be healthy. This is something we're, you know, we're all particularly focused on, particularly in January. Um, but it's a very broad term. It's not a term where you can put a single number to it easily. <clears throat> but it is important. So we need to break that down into constituent parts. So it might be sleep well, relax on a regular basis, aerobically exercise, and of course, eat well. So you've got a concept, eat well. And you say, okay, well, that's important. No one's going to argue with that. But again, you can't measure it directly. So we break it down further into um, yeah, enough vitamins and minerals, right balance of fat, carbohydrate, and protein, and of course, 
calorie intake, which is a subject close to my heart as a 104 kilo, six foot five guy, um, who'd like to be less. So that's the KPI, um, yeah. w- w- you know, energy intake, and of course, weight. Okay, so we take weight as a KPI, that is definitely a measure. And as I said before, um, whether it's a good number or a bad number is, is really relies on other information to give it context. So I weigh 104 kilos at the moment, got a body mass index of 28, which is not good. So the KPI is body weight and body mass index. Then we get on to what we're going to do about it. And that for me is where OKRs come in. So my objective might be to have a body weight of 90 kilos, or I might set a blood pressure target, for example. There are things I can do to reduce my body weight. I can join a gym. I can use it regularly. I can exercise in a heart rate zone of, you know, below 70% if I want to fat burn. Um, I can eat fewer calories. These are all activities. Some of them may be fixed term activities. Um, Many of them are measurable, and they will have targets around them as well. And for me, that all sits firmly in the OKR territory. OKRs will draw on certain KPIs, calories consumed, hours of exercise in the heart rate zone, body weight, and body mass index. So for me, they are KPIs are like the cooking ingredients that you then take with your OKRs. And some of them you'll use some of them you won't, you'll attach targets to some you may not attach targets to all of them, and so on. So for me, that's that's how they fit together. Now, I know you've got a rather excellent um, car analogy, um, automotive (laughs) analogy, um, which I think does a does a great job. But yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I think you've, I think you've pretty much nailed it there. Um, certainly, you know, look how, how we look at it, you know, the, the, the KPIs are very much about how healthy is the organization hmm. and, and where it's perhaps signaling that things are going off track. Then you bring the spotlight of OKRs onto that to, to correct it. I guess what I would add to, to, to what you shared there is that, um, for anything new as well, anything, whether that be a new operational process or whether that be a, a, um, a, a, a some some sort of transformation in the business that's also um, what we uh, uh, believe is it warrants the, the, the focus the spotlight of, of OKR yeah. and sometimes whatever's whatever is new is is a, it has has a finite uh, lifespan so in which case it, it that when that's when that's finished it's finished other times, you're actually setting something up which is going to move into business as usual, and in which case we can then see a transition from an OKR into a to to to, to a new KPI, perhaps. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's one of the key differences you've highlighted. There is um, KPIs are business as usual, steady state forever. OKRs come and go. That's that's the nature of the beast, isn't it? Um, but I think they, they they're natural bedfellows. You can't yeah. really have one w- without the other, can you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, um, okay. So, uh, when you you know you said you've got your own methodology which you which you've used with with clients. When it comes to um, uh, kind of either either meeting a client for the first, or a prospect for the first time and seeing what they've done when they've tried to have a go at, at, uh, at KPIs. What, what is it, that, what perhaps are the biggest mistakes that you've seen people um, make? What are the pitfalls that they've, 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 they've fallen into? Okay, so 
I mean, there's there's a lot of ways in which people can um, become stuck or, or, or undone. Um, let's focus in on the ones that tend to to be showstoppers. Um, the first obvious issue is um, extreme over or under measurement. So uh, you do occasionally come across organisations that measure almost nothing. Um, and in some ways, they're easier to deal with. Um, the other situation you see is where it is a firestorm of measurement. So I worked with one brand named Telecoms organisation many years ago, where in their contact centres, they had team meetings. And the official line was that the team leader had to review 128 KPIs with their team um, in a shift meeting. Um, of course, that's nonsense. The, the reason they ended up in that situation was because they had the, the call system that could generate infinite yeah. varieties of, of metrics on handling time and category codes and everything else. And no one thought to filter it and actually focus in on, on what's important. So you get both extremes and in organizations that are looking to improve their measures the most common mistake is underestimating the time effort and challenge in getting those kpis up and running properly um, people tend to uh, think quantity rather than quality and you you see you see this in all kinds of environments so when i was working in manufacturing improvement oee is absolutely your bread and butter it's an efficiency measure that rolls up downtime speed and quality um sometimes called different things and many of the organizations i work with had implemented oee they've done it in a way that really didn't give them any value so rather than measuring other things that the challenge there was to take the measures they got and implement them properly and keep on working on them until they actually started to deliver business benefit so i think attention to detail and focus are two of the most important elements because it's very easy to get distracted and it's very easy to get overwhelmed right but there are lots of other ways in which things can go <laughs> wrong as well um yeah i actually have a little companion a compendium of them in the back of my first book kpi checklist um where you see uh, multiple ways in which um data can go wrong um you know it, you can break trust that's another way that things can go wrong so that if the data starts showing Un unpalatable messages people will go into denial they'll say well it's the we know these kpis aren't accurate that's not real life um and you see all kinds of human behaviors sort of unfurl from that where the messenger gets blamed rather than the the underlying cause yeah yeah i, I can see how um i mean uh, yeah you get what you focus in on and if you're mm. not focusing on the right on the right things then you know you're not going to drive the right behavior i mean i've seen i've seen poor behavior be driven by um targeting the wrong performance measure absolutely particularly in sales particularly I'm, I'm actually just writing a case study on yeah. parcel delivery so um i went out to my garden a couple of years ago and i found a soggy parcel in my garden um and it was delivered by hermes as was at the time now i've just been doing a bit of research and hermes targeted their drivers on a fixed incentive per parcel with the target for uh, incentive for hitting your target in the day. And the advice that an undercover reporter was given, chuck it over the fence if you can't deliver it. And if anyone challenges you, look dumb. And Hermes have just been through a very expensive rebranding as every. And a lot of that is trying to shed the reputation that they developed from 
those videoed misdeliveries that have trashed their reputation and arguably it's all traced back to targets and incentives that were well-intentioned around productivity and cost but drove the kind of behaviors that no one likes yeah yeah exactly exactly i'm not too sure that every's got a great reputation at the moment no we've got some issues um okay so if we've got listeners that are perhaps new to kpis and are thinking i really need to get a good set of kpis in place what's the what's the what's the point at which you'd recommend they start Okay, so I mean, it depends on time and resources. So I, I actually developed two methods um, over the years: one for larger corporate clients, you know, HSBCs and Airbuses of this world, um, where you, you take the approach that I described, where um, you work backwards from your strategic objectives, build a tree diagram, and then pick from that the most valuable and also the most practical KPI. So that's called the Rocks method, and I'd recommend that for mid to large organisations. If you are a small business, you haven't got the time, energy, or resources to do that, I created a distilled method where I went through and built KPI trees for most of the common functions within small businesses, 52 of them, talking about things like, you know, we've got fresh fresh goods, we carry stock, we have footfall, um, we, you know, we have customer bookings and so on. And I went through and identified the most commonly useful KPIs from each of those trees and also built definitions. So if people want a quick route to choosing their KPIs, but in a way that can be expanded later on, then I'd recommend my book, Getting Started with KPIs. It's got a complete library in there based on these KPI trees um, and a six-step method for getting you to choose your KPIs. So that is obviously the way I'd recommend doing it. But if you haven't got the time and energy to, to get the book and do that, then there's two ways you can approach it. On the very simplest level, think about the ultimate outcome you're looking for. And I saw a brilliant uh, poster for Quick Fit where the tagline was, drive home happy. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, someone's actually put some thought into that and distilled what it is they're looking to achieve. Now, if you understand what you're trying to achieve on that kind of level, then actually measurement becomes a lot easier. So obviously for Quick Fit, customer satisfaction is clearly right at the front of what they're doing and then you can work backwards and pick a very small number of kpis that link to that customer satisfaction the other method which kind of links in with this would be to look at where you're hurting Um, so i'm also a big fan of digging into problems Mm. analyzing problems putting a value to them and tackling your biggest problems now you can actually combine those approaches so if you take the drive home happy example I would be really interested in my complaints, my lost customers, and any poor reviews that are out there, and actually understanding what's going on. So, yeah. you know, it's a case of fishing with a fish on. Sorry. No, it's a, I, that strikes me as being, a um, you know, that, that example of drive home happy. Yes, you want to be tracking how happy people are, how happy your customers are, but at the same time, you perhaps want to be a bit preemptive as well, which is, which are the measures which you're you're talking about there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, did, did we give the customer what they want? Did we resolve their problem? You know, what proportion of customers do we resolve? How many price complaints do we have? Yeah. So there'll, there'll, there'll be a basket of measures. I mean, I'm, what I find particularly interesting are proxy measures. So things that happen at the same time as the thing we care about. Because 
a lot of the first KPIs that spring to mind are lagging measures. Um, so they will tell you after the event. So a customer complaints, an epic fail, and you only find out about it after the customer's unhappy. So what's really interesting and, and difficult is to look for things that tell you before or whilst it's going wrong. So another health example, you know, if you have a heart rate uh, monitor on your watch, having a raised resting heart rate is a leading indicator of a cult. Now, whether you can do something about that, I don't know, but it tells you that chances are, if you're 10 beats per minute up, there is a cold coming. Um, and you get similar indicators in business. There are certain things that customers do and say Oh, sorry, that I tells was... you they're unhappy. <laughs> <Not hard>. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's certain things they do say um, and what have you that tell you as it's happening or sometimes even in advance um, that gives you a chance to, to head it off. So if you find one particular part of your business that's really critical, for example, long-term customers defecting, then you need to ask yourself the question, right, is there something observable that I can detect and intercept that will give me a chance of retaining that customer rather than simply counting the damage after the event. And a story I use an awful lot was a piece of work I did with a pensions firm. And they were counting the cost of people transferring their pensions to other organizations. Uh, and I was sat in a meeting where they were having this post-mortem. And one of the managers scoffed when someone said, can we anticipate this? And he said something to the effect of, well, it's not like we can read our customers' minds. And fortunately, there was a bright, young improvement team member in the room who said, actually, there is something that tells us when a customer is about to leave. And apparently, uh, so this is going back a bit pre-internet self-service, um, one of the behavioral indicators was that customer ringing up for a valuation of their pension pot. So when you are looking to transfer, you do that. And interestingly, they just automated that process. So they've made it self-service rather than dealing with a human being. And this had led to the uptick that everyone was observing and no one understood. So once you knew that, then it gives you a chance to intercept those calls, put them through to a highly trained customer service representative and fix the problem or at least mitigate the problem. So um, those are the less obvious KPIs that can really be a sort of game changer um for for any business um so i would suggest you know taking a step back and looking at what you see and hear around the problem mm -hmm. rather than just looking directly at the problem itself i know we're reaching the end but there's one final question i'd just like to put in there because this is something across mm. with with uh increasingly with 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 larger clients and it's a, a question of governance mm -hmm. It's never the sexiest subject in the world. <laughs> um, but we are finding that uh, OKRs and KPIs often come under the same sort of governance approach, governance framework, you know, a performance framework, if you will, I suppose. Mm. Um, what's so I guess the question that I'm uh, uh, that the, the question is how, when an organization has KPIs, how are they best used? So are you talking about in governance in terms of how they're created or how they're applied? Applied. Okay. So I'm going to shamelessly plug part of my methodology here. Um, for me, 
there are certain critical questions you have to answer, not just for governance, but also for buy-in as well. So the first part is, why did we choose what we chose? And that's where KPI trees tell the story. It's a visual method, and it's a method where you can share it. Um, but once you've created that tree and then shortlisted what you decide to measure, and you do that based on ease of measurement and importance, a scored ranking, um, I'm a huge proponent of managed definitions. So I've created something called the Rocks KPI Canvas, where we have about 30 definition fields, which enable you to fully define how the KPI is calculated, what its purpose is, and really importantly, what the edge cases are. When you see KPIs going wrong, it's very often because there are legitimate gray areas around the edge about what should and shouldn't be included. And sometimes those are incredibly significant. So there's a couple of stories I, I, I often tell, but one of them was I worked with a large bakery and they were making do or die decisions about sites futures. And they were doing it based on OEE. Now they all reported OEE and they all reported OEE calculated in roughly the same way. What they didn't do was include or exclude elements of OEE on the same basis. So let me give you an example. The available hours is really important for calculating OEE. So how many hours could we have been baking bread? Some sites would include mandatory cleaning, other sites wouldn't because it's a food business, you have to shut for a few hours each, each week to, to clean. Um, some would include power cuts, others wouldn't. And those relatively small differences could make several percentage points difference on the overall figure. And the managers were sat in their ivory tower making open or closed decisions on sites, permanent closures, um, based on numbers that weren't the same. So having a managed database, though often it can just be a spreadsheet as long as you protect it properly, um, with a name, ownership, how it's calculated, where the data comes from, what's included, what's excluded, what the known issues are, who owns the targets, who owns the performance behind it, and so on, um, can make all the difference. It's probably the least sexy part of KPI design, and people hate doing it. But I've got all kinds of horror stories of what can happen if you don't do it. And some of them involve people losing their jobs. So it is definitely um, worth doing. So managed definitions database that is actually maintained and is openly shared is a career preserving tool and it can also form the foundation for good quality training so if you want a one-page guide on efficiency measurement you go to that definition you turn it into a cheat sheet and that then becomes part of your training package so you can say to people look this is how OE works this is what is and isn't included and you know here we go so yeah no no one likes governance but um the definition process, which is the, the fifth step of the ROCKS method, is yeah. one of the key things in actually managing KPIs properly. Okay, that's really that's really good to hear. Thank you for sharing that, Bernie. Well, I, 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 I hope our listeners have enjoyed this as much as I have. Um, it's been great hearing your your war stories and, uh, uh, and getting an insight into your approach to OKRs. Um, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, how could they find you? Well, head to madetomeasurekpis.com. That's madetomeasurekpis.com. And there's plenty of ways of getting in touch. Or head to LinkedIn. If you type in Bernie Smith and KPI, um, you should find me straight away. And I'm always happy to connect and have a chat. So 
um, yeah, feel free to reach out. And Roger, thank you so much for having me along today. I've really enjoyed our conversation and um, you've really got me thinking properly about OKRs and uh, yeah, appreciate okay. our conversation. Me too. Thanks very much, Bernie. Take care.